the beauty of drawing from life is because the person that you're drawing their breathing, it's impossible for them to like not move at all. And I started got very into this motive and moving in between moments. And I would sometimes ask someone to sit in my studio, but they got really tired in a couple minutes. Then they would change their position slightly. And I start enjoy seeing those in between shifting moments. And I would record it when they move. So kind of they inspire me to react on my painting, you know, not just painting one moment. I was trying to stretch the time that I could capture in a picture. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 252nd episode, I'm super excited to be joined by Wansi Young, who spoke with me from Macau, where she currently lives and works and is actually from. And so we talk about that whole experience, especially growing up there, as Macau is known as the Las Vegas of the East. And Wansi described it as creating these feelings of isolation and loneliness. And that eventually gets explored as she moves to Los Angeles and begins studying art and really getting into observational work, having studied with a professor, Yuji, at California State University, Long Beach, and then went on to pursue her MFA degree at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale and got that in 2020, and once again had a very influential professor in Aaron Palmer there, and we talk about how that experience in Carbondale allowed her to really explore not only observation, but the idea of memory and fragments of time and all sorts of wonderful narratives and exploration of space and color and form. And we talk all about how those paintings grew and developed through a variety of different approaches. It's super exciting. Once he was selected as one of our 2020 Pro Competition winners, jurored by Liz Tran last fall, so we're very excited to feature her work. Make sure to check out her website, wansiyong.com, and follow her on Instagram at wansi underscore art. And before we get to today's episode, I'm excited to announce that our 2020 student competition is now open. Our juror this year is Kendra Balgren from James May Gallery, so we're very excited to have her on board. Kendra will be selecting five undergraduate and five graduate artists. And once again, that'll be open to any currently enrolled and recently graduated in 2020 artists. So once again, if you are interested in applying, visit studiobreak.com. Check out our student competition page for more details. It is super simple to apply, though. All you have to do is submit a small fee, send an email identifying who you are, what category you're applying for, and, of course, linking a website or your Instagram account. And that's it. You are done. So if you've been working away in the studio as you're studying and you want to get your work out there, please apply today. And, of course, let others know about this experience. We're super excited for these competitions, so send those apps on in. If you haven't heard the podcast before, check out studiobreak.com. We've got a bunch of different artists up there featured with their work. You can listen to their interviews right in the default player or click those links and subscribe to the podcast. Once again, there's a big archive to look through, so take your time and do that. Lots of great listening for the studio. You can find us on Facebook, so please like our page there. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and, of course, on Instagram. Be sure to follow at Studio underscore Break. With those announcements out of the way, here is our interview with Wansi Yong. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Wansi Young. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? 
again, thank you so much for applying. I, I was so excited when Liz Tran picked your workout for the for the pro competition last winter, I guess. So again, it's so great to have you on. Thank you so much, Dave. And uh, I really appreciate your time to managing our interview. And I'm super honored to be here. When I saw there's there will be a chance to be on the podcast, I just immediately apply for it because I'm a listener myself. Awesome. On your podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Tell everybody, where, where yeah. are we speaking from? I mean, you're where? I'm currently in Macau. It's also known as a, you know, city of Las Vegas of the East. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm in Asia. So we have a very different time zone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's where you grew up? Yeah. So I was born in Macau. It is a very small city as known as one of the most densely populated city in the world. It has a very important impact on me and my work. I think mostly of my work, they are dealing with my childhood and the experience that I grew up here. And I'm curious, was that something, you know, you kind of described the weirdness of that that city kind of growing up in there right. and, and maybe the coldness a little bit. Was art making, you know, on your radar at all growing up? Were you kind of doing creative things growing up? It's really funny that I was a dancer for over 12 years. Oh, wow. But I always enjoyed drawing and painting since I was a kid. And I would go out to just paint the tree or drawing on the street a lot. So I didn't really expect go into a professional field into painting or drawing at all. It was kind of like a very unexpected decision. But um, after I moved to the state, I don't really have much friends at that time. So I barely spoke to people and I decided to pick up my pencil and started drawing again. In terms of like that educational aspect of it, that I mean, was that something that you were kind of thinking about? Kind of described earlier that, you know, even going to graduate school wasn't something that was on your radar. But I'm, I'm curious if you studied something else before you came to L.A., if I'm not mistaken. You know, I mainly spend majority of my time as a dancer. So I would practice every day. I even thought about going into a professional field, but I didn't because I realized I just enjoyed the practicing part of dancing, but not actually spending, you know, my whole life into a, you know, build into a career. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of unexpected for me to go into fine art as a drawing and painting major. But I feel like it's a calling for me to pick up my pen again because mm-hmm. it's just great to have a internal conversation when I do not have somebody to talk to. So I, I'm truly grateful that I, I moved um, to L.A. after I got my high school diploma. And then it's a very difficult progress for me at that age because I have to give up everything, you know, in Macau and I have to really left my friend and everything. But it's just really cool that I have the experience about learning another culture and, you know, really trying to figure out what I want to do with my life because I just want to finish high school and maybe go to college, do whatever major at that time, just get the diploma and find a job mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, just have this kind of life. But it just totally changed my 
opinion about what to do or what should I do when I move to the state is really great, but hard at the same time. At that time, I had really hard time to communicate with people because the language barrier. And I remember I really want to take those art classes and maybe some art history courses in college, but I just feel really scared at the mm-hmm. time. And my brother and I were taking it together. I remember we would spend hours to figure out vocab and, you know, what to do with those homework and writing. It was such an experience. Interesting. And again, it sounds like something that you started kind of taking maybe comfort in, I guess, just because you were... Mm-hmm you know, you're kind of leaving that whole life behind. So again, it's kind of interesting to kind of turn inwards. And it totally makes sense, obviously, you know, with the way that you kind of describe observation and talk about that with your work. Yeah. So I really got interested into observational painting after I have my first drawing class at Cal State Long Beach. Mm -hmm. That feels like a very special experience to me. I remember when I first saw the class demo from Yuji, who is an excellent professor and mentor of mine in Cal State Long Beach. It was a really a mind-blowing experience. I also feel really concerned about my drawing skill at that time. Mm-hmm. Even though I had some art classes from my previous college experience, but I never really learned about measurement, proportion, and understanding form. So drawing from direct observation has a huge influence on my studio practice. It really got me slowed down to look around my surrounding and learn about what do I not understand and why could I not draw certain things. Mm -hmm. Even though it seemed like I understand that really well, it just got me more into looking around and bring up my awareness of surrounding. Absolutely makes me think of being more present, you know, when I work in that way. You know, I was ascribing mm-hmm. to you earlier that I'm, you know, I don't get out as much as I would like, you know, to kind of paint in the field and to paint from observation. And, you know, when I do, I think that's one mm-hmm. of the things that's so fun about it is that you kind of have all this time where you're really focused and you're hyper aware of things in, in ways that you aren't when you're, you know, just casually walking around as opposed to trying to paint from observation or draw from observation. So, Again, that's something that's right. so fascinating to me. Yeah. And I sometimes would discover new relationship if I spend so much time just looking at something. It feels like a meditation to me. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like if I look at something for so long, I learn more about it and I got more interested into that certain thing. It might be a place, a figure or an object. So it's quite fascinating to me. And so you kind of described this earlier kind of experience then. I mean, is that something that kind of, you know, fueled that that desire then to kind of just, you know, just commit to it already? Or was there a story there? Or is it really just this this one class of kind of working from observation where you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much possibility in this? Yeah, pretty much I <laughs> got into that class and I, I didn't know, you know, painting or drawing from observation could be that wonderful because mm-hmm. I think UG Strong is really special to me because it doesn't feel like it's that smooth. When I first understood drawing from online or for some books, they always look very smooth. 
mm-hmm. and well defined. But when I see him from constructing the drawing from line and some really simple shape, then from 2D to 3D, the progress really pulled me into it. And he would explain how he sees or observes the figure or certain object and really break it down to us. I feel super excited to learn about it. And at that time, I really want to be like him, mm-hmm. drawing the weight like and was it mostly then those those kind of, you know, still life and life painting and drawing and things like that? Yeah, mostly the life drawing. I wasn't really good at life painting at that time. And I barely drew any still life object because I took some of the still life painting or drawing class at a college. Mm-hmm. But um, at that time, they would set up some still life and we would just draw a paint from it. They won't give specific instruction or they wouldn't ask us to approach in certain way so it was cool to have some instruction and learning to see in a different way you finished that experience i mean you were kind of not sure if you would go on to your your mfa was there something that kind of encouraged you or maybe i would imagine again kind of building up a a whole portfolio of you know drawing and observational based works i mean obviously it was really something that you're passionate about. So I'm sure somebody, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gave you the nudge too. Yeah. So um, at that time, I I feel like I wasn't good enough to go to grad school. I was going to take a couple years off to build my portfolio and, you know, be better before I got into grad school. But Yuji, he just encouraged me to, you know, apply and try. Maybe I would get a chance. And uh, luckily, I got into... Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, and I I just went for it. And I felt like it's a very different experience going to grad school because when I was in my undergrad, I mostly just concerned about how to be better technically, mm-hmm. but I never really know why I have to do certain things in certain way. So I started have a bunch of questions about why I paint certain way and what does better mean to me? Well, and obviously, you know, graduate school is notorious for, you know, challenging you mm-hmm. and <laughs> probably making you feel <laughs> <Yeah>. really bad. <laughs> but yeah. was was there any kind of like things that you set out like early on in that first year, maybe to kind of like consider like, again, you kind of described how you hadn't been painting from mm-hmm. the figure. Had had you started that that year then? Or is that something that came later or? I remember when I first got into grad school, I thought I was super clear about what to do and what my goal was. But I feel like I was completely lost instantly. I thought my plan to, you know, go to grad school is because I want to be better with my drawing and painting skill. But however, I remember first question was being asked is what is better meant to me? And at the time I was thinking, oh, I just know that I'm not good enough compared to all my other amazing teachers. <laughs> then they will also ask, you know, who are you? Then I remember that night I couldn't sleep and I sat on my studio all night and felt completely lost. Then I was start thinking about why do I paint how I paint? And um, all these questions just came into my mind. And um, I talked to Erin Palmer I worked closely with her during my three years graduate experience in SIUC. Mm-hmm. 
and she slowly guide me to, you know, ask me question about have have I considered space when I work on my painting, and do I really have to do an underpainting before I start attacking the painting? Because I would spend so much time to do a full underpainting before I went into color and. This very indirect progress that I've kept doing for a couple of years has made me feel more comfortable to approach painting. But she encouraged me to start painting from direct observation. I mean, I've been painting from direct observation, but like, have I really, beside the figure, have I really tried to look at some really mundane moment? Around me and at my studio, so I start my first year getting rid of the figure and really try to paint some still life object or some of the landscape painting that I would look out for my studio.、Mm-hmm. It's a very different experience, and they feel very different because I cannot really rely on the drawing a lot. But I really appreciate that she encouraged me to approach in different way. I sometimes would set up parameter, maybe use a different palette or use different size of brushes to approach painting. It got me feel like I have a lot of choice and possibility. It's very challenging, but great experience. Yeah, and it's one of the paintings that sticks out to me. There's one where it looks like there's a kind of two by four or like a chunk of a two by four leaning up against a studio wall, and I can imagine again just trying to trying to find these banal moments to kind of explore as opposed to you know the figure is loaded with who is it and、mm-hmm. what is this about as opposed to just kind of maybe looking for these observations of. You know, ordinary things, and so、right. was that something that kind of also kind of helped you know free you up in terms of maybe not having to kind of build and and layer and develop it and just kind of work from from that kind of gut reaction, I guess. Yes, actually, that was the first painting that I did <laughs> after I talked to Aaron. Oh yeah, I, it, it's very special to me because that painting was on a paper. I didn't feel as tight. And stressful because I just want to play around, and you know, sometimes I would use my palette knife to go ahead, mix up a chunk of paint to just lay down and see how do I feel about that color, and spending time to be very specific about color mixing. Sometimes when I rely on underpainting, I could rely on the transparent shadow and glazing a little bit, but when I really try to go full on with A chunk of painting and getting rid of the underpainting. It really got me understand color in a different way and learning about painting directly has helped me to be more brave and willing to change the drawing or getting rid of some part that I really like on the painting because I have to look at the bigger. Picture, not just that couple, you know, couple marks that I really like, or saving certain spots. Well, and it's interesting because again, there's some more traditional things that maybe you would associate with still life, but then there's also 
you know, maybe like these moments, like there's a dessert plate for, for example, or, you know, something yeah. there's like one where there's like maybe a windowsill, but again, it's hard to tell if that's studio or if that starts to kind of mm -hmm. creep into your day to day. But I would imagine those types of things start kind of creeping into your work in terms of seeing more of the day to day. Yeah. In my BFA work, I, um, I created a series is called the party hat and I would want to speak about this experience of spending my birthday alone mm -hmm. and you know I, I just want to set up a theme and I want to illustrate that feeling or idea but the painting would look very literal I start questioning about like can I use the other object to represent or getting rid of the figure to represent um, a feeling or emotion mm -hmm. so I start getting very into composition and trying to use space or lighting or color to communicate certain feelings. No, and that totally makes sense when you think about light or even just that first one that we were kind of talking about. Because, I mean, mm. you kind of think about that light in the afternoon that you don't even intend to see. or so. I don't know if that makes sense, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's just these moments that you kind of catch that that they're not special, you know, and so that's something that's something that's yeah. very interesting. I'm curious, yeah. you know, if we kind of think about some of the life you know work in terms of working from a model and that did did you start then kind of eventually you know doing that again in, in graduate school if you kind of built up these more expressive or kind of immediate maybe it would be a better word mm -hmm. kind of way of kind of painting i still enjoy drawing a lot from the model for my studio work i try not to involve any figure or you know just want to focus on uh, why do i paint certain things that's the question at my own studio practice but I still draw the figure every other day mm -hmm. I would ask people if I could sit in their class and just draw the model because I think that really helped me to learn about how do I interact space and the figure together because I, I previously I don't really have a setup like I don't have any still life object around the figure or I don't have a bigger space when I was in Cal State Long Beach. Mm -hmm. Mainly we would focus on, you know, drawing the form of the figure. So I start start question about like how do I fit in the figure and how the scale of the figure would interact with the space and would it communicate something emotional or how do I make the space would be as important as the figure? So that was some of the question when I, when I had in my mind, when I go to the live drawing class or live painting class, I kept trying different composition and something that is new to me. You know, sometimes I would switch up the canvas size or sometimes I would use new medium. It feels like freeing for me to seeing the figure as part of the element in a painting but not the whole focus i learned a lot from that yeah it's it's interesting because there's also some that start to kind of like f not necessarily flatten out but the composition is so mm -hmm. foreshortened um Mm -hmm. And it kind of really makes me think about some of those, you know, later pieces a little bit, but it totally makes sense in terms of thinking about the way that you're trying to, I guess, question space a little bit differently than maybe you had previously. Right. You know, there's literally some drawings that almost feel like these, these figures are kind of floating. 
Well, and, and when I say that, I'm thinking about not necessarily like literally, but like that emotive quality, I guess, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. And so that's something that I think becomes so, so exciting to me. Is is that something then where you started, I think, kind of like kind of building them from life and then just kind of indulging or maybe describe the process of how that, that kind of shifted because, you know, they become yeah. really interesting. You know, in my undergrad live drawing class, I would be very frustrated if the model moved a little bit because mm-hmm. I do not want to change everything that I already had on my drawing paper, right? But um, I remember Yuji and Aaron, they both told me the beauty of drawing from life is because the person that you're drawing, they're breathing. It's impossible for them to like not move at all. And I started, got very into this motive and moving in between moments. And I would sometimes ask, someone to sit in my studio but they got really tired in a couple minutes then they would change their position slightly and I start enjoy seeing those in between shifting moments and I would record it when they move so kind of they inspire me to react on my painting you know not just painting one moment I was trying to stretch the time that I could capture in a picture. I got very interested in that and I slowly try to figure out how to make them look unified in a in a painting. Mm-hmm. That was a part that got me very frustrated at a moment, but I think I learned a lot about color relationship and how do I use edges to describe those moments. That feels like a quite abstract progress to me because I have to really look at the whole painting as shape but not focus on certain parts. If the in-between moment that I describe that would be too detailed or too literal, that might not fit in a whole composition or painting idea. One that is in that, um, I believe it's figurative and interior Mm-hmm. set of paintings of somebody in a kitchen working and so right. that's something you know that kind of movement or the figure kind of moving around having these kind of like ghosted images I mean that's also something that you can see in the drawings yeah but it's interesting is that maybe what started making you think also about maybe time because you know obviously that's another right. theme that kind of comes up in in you know some of the later work but some people told me that I only capture, you know, a really short moment of time in a painting. I didn't really understand the comment at the time, but I think it's a great question because I start questioning, like, how do I stretch the time that I could show on a painting? Then I started thinking about this ghost images. It might related to the history of the where they went and what they did before. And I spent so much time just looking at a person move in a space. So the painting that you mentioned about in the kitchen, she is my mom. And mm-hmm. I spent so much time looking her cooking at a kitchen and start feeling really beautiful in a way that I've never seen before. Because she'd been cooking breakfast or lunch for me for years Mm -hmm. but I 
started have this new question in my mind. It motivates me to look at things in a different way. And um, it's very hard for me to express those motions in a way that would make sense to fit in an image. So I just kept repainting this painting for almost a year. And I still feel like it's not fully resolved. <laughs> but I start, <laughs> I start learning about how to utilize some small study in the beginning before I jump into a really big painting. This is not a giant painting, but it's relatively big. So I got very frustrated with the progress, but I feel like it's a great opportunity for me to learn about what do I not understand and what do I have to work with. So my studio practice go hand on hand with the live drawing and painting class. If I have some question in my mind, I would try to bring that question in a classroom and try to do some exercise so I have a better idea or a better mind when I I go back to my studio at night and try to um, figure out what to do with the progress. And is that something that you kind of see in your mind or is it literally something that you start to kind of think about your memories or again, it's interesting because as I'm looking at these, you know, you can kind of see ones maybe like in terms of the, where they were started, but then like, for example, there's this other one, mm. there's essentially mm -hmm. like an awning and an open sign, and there's these two figures, and you start to kind Ooh. of form this narrative and, you know, kind of wonder what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like a, a painting like that, I mean, how, you know which one I'm talking about, by the way? Yeah, yeah. The the one that is on the left, right? On the interior figure. How does something like that come about? Maybe kind of describe that one. I mean, it, again, this is one of those things where I feel like <laughs> kind of ridiculous because I could probably talk about each one of these in the same way. But I'm just so curious in terms of how we, you know, we can go from some of these experiences, you know, starting and how, how you proceed through working through them and, and letting them evolve. That painting is quite special to me because so I work on some of the still life for so long, like almost a year. I try to like go back to the figure and that was the first painting that I construct with face and figure I usually work at the studio in you know a super early morning like 12 to 1 or 3 I work till really late and when I walk home I would see this store that has a really low light on the street and I'm always walking past to that store I was just really curious about what would happen if there would be someone looking at me. So it just keeps happening in my mind for a while. And <laughs> I just drew it out. And I just have this image in my mind that I have to pull out. But I didn't really know about how to deal with the color and the space. I started with, you know, a square and then I think I just imagine what would it look like if have someone, you know, looking out towards to me. And I slowly feel like their the composition is not quite working. Mm -hmm. And I would start doing study of people walking on the street. They are not very specific because I didn't have much time. But it got me very interested in, you know, combining those imaginative space with an 
actual space because I could always go back to the nice store that I saw and I passed on the street. I didn't really take photograph or, you know, do specific study because I want to leave some room for me to create and maybe imagine. Not resolve to a degree that I want, but I enjoy start having those collage moment and combining observation experience with something that I've been wanting to pull out in my mind. It seems like that's what you wound up focusing on then in terms of your thesis. And again, it's really interesting to yes. to think about how different that work is. And again, there's so much mm-hmm. stuff to, to check out. The website, again, I should have said a long time ago is wansiyong.com. Again, plenty, plenty of work to kind of check out. But I mean, there's so many of them to kind of talk about. Like I said, I mean, there's ones like mm-hmm. before it got wilted, where I'm assuming this is a self-portrait where you're kind of hidden or kind of maybe reflected almost in, in something that's behind all these flowers. And then, you know, mm-hmm. there's just so many different different ones. But I'm especially interested in, in some of the ways that you kind of start almost kind of suggesting narrative. And I guess because I'm talking about one specifically, I don't know, was there an important piece for you? I'm going to briefly talk about the painting that you just mentioned. You know, there would be a reflection of half of my portrait and the flower as the foreground. I did that painting in the beginning of the pandemic. I was in New York for the art history course trip. I don't know if I said the name exactly. It's a program from SIUC. We would go to New York and visit all the great museums. Mm-hmm. The pandemic hit in the middle of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I didn't get to visit the Brooklyn Museum and we have to return back to Carbondale. And I remember things got really serious at that time. I have to do a two-week self-quarantine to make sure I'm okay before I see people. So at that time, I got really depressed and lonely. It was after spring break. So I got a bouquet of flower to back home. And I just feel really depressed that outside is so beautiful. And I've been looking forward to spring, to go hiking and everything. And now I stuck at home mm-hmm. and I couldn't really have to meet my friend or family, then I just want to record this moment. And um, I start painting on paper again because I, you know, my apartment wasn't really big. So at that time, I paint a lot on some of the gesso paper that I prepare for my students. It got me very interested in working on a smaller surface of painting and, you know, maybe painting something bigger in a small surface. Yeah. And again, it's just interesting because, like I said, there's a number where, you know, you become the subject and we can kind of think about that idea of memory. Like there's literally ones mm-hmm. where I believe, like, like again, this one, uh, the memories of childhood. Is this, mm-hmm. you know, four versions of you or or is this a family yeah. family thing? or <laughs> A small version of me. <laughs> It was, yeah. I feel very good and, and on point tonight, which is odd. Maybe talk a little about that. I mean, again, it's just interesting because there's... Yeah, I'm really glad that, you know, you mentioned all the point in all those paintings or you got the emotion. It makes me very happy. I think when I look back at my painting, they are... Some of the painting 
of course, they're from the live model or the sketch that I did from maybe train station or on the street. But some of the important piece, they are all important people of my life, like my partner, my family. And I always do self-portrait a lot because I feel like it is a time for me to reflect on myself. In this painting, I want to talk about my memories of childhood when I grew up. I really liked certain outfit when I was a kid. So I I don't remember if it exactly looks like that, but I just want to put them together to depict, you know, how I grew up as a child. As you can see, the composition looks quite active because I have some flying paper weaving in between the image. But I just want to describe about how I remember myself as a kid I would, you know, I'll be eating breakfast on a table alone. And I talk about I was a dancer for 12 years. So on the left of the composition, I just want to put on a younger me with a long hair version of myself. Mm -hmm. The figure in the foreground is, you know, the current me. And I feel like sometimes I want to really focus in the moment, but I always thought about um, how do I better to have a better version of myself. This painting is a reminder of myself to live in the moment and I am the best version of myself today. So it's kind of special to me and challenging at the same time because the whole space is for my imagination or I would sometimes, you know, do study of a lamb that I really like. Or if I feel something special, when I look at a space, I would try to write down notes or write down how I feel about it. And I would collect all those information and experience when I walk on the street or when I go to someone's apartment. It reminds me certain feeling of my childhood or my emotion. I would just record them in different form, you know, sometimes it might be a sketch, it might be a text, and I would collect all those experience to help to develop a piece like this. So I have a lot of different approach in different painting. I would search different solutions in different individual pieces because they are very different to me in a poetic way. You described earlier this kind of like almost like searching in terms of kind of like breaking away from having these really tight underpaintings and layering up. And I'm just kind of curious in terms of thinking about, you know, color and that kind of intuitive kind of just being in the habit of working all the time and observing all the time and collecting all these notes. Is that something that also kind of informs then like the color of of maybe like a, a piece like the one we were just speaking about where you might you know, think of this yellow interior and then you're thinking about how to complement that interior. Mm-hmm. I'm especially just kind of interested in terms of thinking about color. I mean, do you do you have like a strong association with memory and color or? You know, when I put a new object or when I introduce an, a figure in the piece as the progress goes on, it, it got me really frustrated because when I add one thing, I have to change everything. Mm-hmm. It's not a very large scale, but it's relatively large in my opinion. So 
I have to keep working on top. Sometimes I also got quite tired when I keep working on the same piece over and over again because mm-hmm. the paint would got sunk in and it is not as luminous as I expected. But I enjoy working this way as well because it feels like how I'm recording every decision and every thought in my mind. So it's hard to have one way to resolve it. And, you know, I just try different things and different way until it kind of worked out. I just get so fascinated looking at these. You know, there's uh, one called I Dream About Myself, which again has this really wonderful kind of like, you know, almost darker kind of quality in terms of uh, the color range you know again that's something that's so interesting mm-hmm. because there's a really rich kind of like darker kind of color range in some of these that I think is really kind of interesting and even just to kind of think about some of the other ones you know you start thinking about light and obviously <laughs> those types of things are very important to you but obviously those are things that you're used in to kind of build a, a mood or you know almost a kind of you know, change what it is as opposed to just kind of it being factual, you know, like you're have been talking about recording time essentially and, you know, seeing all these things in transition. So it's, it's interesting to see that in the paintings. When I work on, I dream about myself. I, I think I only spend an hour and a half for this piece. I just have this really weird idea in my mind of a girl dress is being like a light bulb, you know, having the light emerging out from the dress so I try to like really pull out this idea as quick as I could so I use a very limited palette to set up the mood and environment and I would have the dress as the almost like function as the light Mm -hmm. so I think that's pretty interesting to me to experiment and try with a smaller piece I sometimes almost feel more fresh when I work at a smaller piece and pull quicker idea. When I work on bigger piece and maybe multi-figure piece, I would be super concerned about the form of the figure, maybe like getting so deep into describing all those specific moments. And then I forgot about my intention about the piece. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I just want to illustrate the idea again or illustrate the narrative. And I forgot about all these simple intentions that I would start from the beginning. So it's very challenging for me to keep the larger painting feels as fresh as a smaller one. Well, and again, that totally makes sense. I mean, the the one that obviously is really striking is uh, Longing for the Past. And again, that's massive in comparison to a nine by 12, a 48 by 48 painting. I mean, are you just scaling up? I would imagine a painting like that's going to take much longer than a session. That painting is a painting that I first star for my MFA thesis, like for this body of work, because I really want to start with a self-portrait again, or at least using myself as the subject, because it's all about how I feel about the surrounding or how I want to maybe connect with people through painting. So I try to like set up everything for this one to do an underpainting 
like how I would usually did for my undergrad progress. And then I would do all the color study. I thought I knew what I was going to do. And I just want to be a little bit more clear when I get to my final year. But actually, that was also the last painting that I finished for my show. <laughs> so that was really funny. I completely repainted the entire painting on the last week before my thesis show goes up to the gallery. It, I changed a lot during the last year, like how I see things mm -hmm. or certain other influence that I got from the other painting or this body of work. I was really struggled. Like, do I, because the painting wasn't looking bad. It's just, I changed a lot and my intention also changed from the beginning. So I just have to repaint it the entire painting is really crazy to me because I like a lot of the stuff underneath. But I was also telling myself it's okay to edit out stuff that doesn't work anymore at this moment. Because as you can see, the, there's a ghost image underneath. You know, mm -hmm. you see the third hand, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I thought some of the history could be also showing through is also part of the progress. So eventually I didn't really expect the painting turn out looking this way, but I enjoyed a lot because it's really special to me. It's almost like the time that I spent on this painting being recorded on this piece. And I also learned about it's okay to let things go. Mm -hmm. and to trust yeah to trust myself can make it work and trust my instinct more yeah and i love those little fragments and, and things that you notice like that in, in terms of like things shifting or you know those those ghosted images and obviously we talked about those a little bit earlier but there's another one called he was here where again i think mm -hmm. there's like four almost four or five, there's a reflection. It looks like, sorry, as I'm observing, I'm just like, wow, there's, there's so much going on in it. But the other thing that's so amazing about it is that you almost don't feel the weight of that figure kind of sitting in there. And that's something that's really interesting mm -hmm. to me about this one and, mm -hmm. and some other ones that kind of do that. There's this almost weightlessness with some objects that, you know, again, kind of maybe describe that feeling or I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you could kind of add to that a little bit to make it more specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started this piece from life. I was in a long distance relationship for seven years mm -hmm. or eight years. I don't remember. So my partner would, you know, constantly travel back and forth to visit me. And he would just stay for a really short time. So during the winter, he came visit me in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then I asked if he could sit for me. And he was like, yeah, of course. Then, you know, he would move every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes. He, he wouldn't sit still. And I only have that week to really paint him and work on the painting, like the figure. So I just really enjoyed the time that he was being here when I was painting at the studio. But I feel like he's going to leave eventually. Like, so I, I want to capture that emotion and I was happy and sad at the same time because I know that this is not going to last long mm -hmm. 
So eventually he seems like he's floating and he's he's going to leave at any moment. And I started set up the the surrounding and still life object in. The plan that I got was really fresh in the beginning. It was like green and fresh. And eventually after I painting the painting for a couple months, it's just dying and turning to this yellow green. It's very beautiful, but it's, is sad at the same time. I was getting really interesting into capturing things in a different timeline. It's like when I have him sitting, I don't have some of the still life object in. Then I slowly introduce some of the the cloth, you know, some of the drapes or the peach still life and the cup later. Because I am... I want to also talk about the fact that when I'm painting alone at the studio, that's also the reality and that's also the fact and that's also part of the narrative. So I just want to, you know, talk about all this different fact in or reality in a, in a different timeline. And then you might see some of the lighting. Am I not looking unified? It's because when he was sitting here, it was really glooming and it was during the winter. And then when he left, you know, when I paint at the studio at night, you know, some of the reflections on the mirror looks like it's really like a nighttime. Mm-hmm. And some of the wall, it feels like the sun is hitting the wall, even though the wall looks kind of dirty. <laughs> so I just want to talk about all this different fragment of time to compose in a painting. It feels very personal to me, and I, I think some of the quality happened in a, you know, natural way. I sometimes would paint element out, or it might, some of the still life object might appear or weaving into the figure, so it might feel like a strange space, or you know, it it might look like not unifying things and uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it's so fascinating to kind of hear you talk about them. And then, you know, as you're kind of doing that and as we've been talking, you know, it's interesting to kind of think about that related to some of the other paintings. I guess if I'm jumping to a totally tangential one, um, there's this one called when the night falls and there are these objects that are kind of like floating. And it, again, it makes me think of another figurative kind of like sleeping or dream sequence or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking like, is is that why these objects are like this? And, you know, I don't know if that's right. And I'm, I'm sure that that's probably okay if it's, if it's not, or, you know, is that part of it? Yes, you're totally right. Because I was um, really interested in depicting someone asleep, because I don't know what they were dreaming or what's in their mind so I would imagine if you know like what does it feel like if someone is dreaming so I try to like start floating things around and trying to set up certain lighting or mood to talk about this feeling it's almost like weightless that flying trash bag that I added in later I actually paint that from life because I want something that would look more solid so i would try to set up weight to make it look like it's more weightless or it would make sense within the composition but i also feel 
like the child that I added in is not completely working in a way. It's because I'm making up this figure and I'm making up some of the pattern of the shirt and certain color relationship. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel completely belong to that foreground. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> I also want to like receive comment from people because I sometimes just feel like, oh, it's not working, but I'm not sure what to do with it. Well, I mean, it seems like the way that you work, though, is to be producing a lot and to be kind of taking in all this stimuli, you know, and to kind of keep adding, mm-hmm. and, you know, and living with it. And I think that that's, you know, definitely something that's part of the just the process of it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think sure. for me, my, for myself, I always just at some point, like you said, you kind of have to walk away from something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because you start yeah. getting distracted by something else, you know. Right. And And I guess thinking about that, too, relative to like you know, time even. So you wrapped all this experience up in, in 2020. Obviously, you kind of described, you know, the, the, the start of the pandemic. So obviously, I'm assuming that, that that had a big impact on this work. Right. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you've been doing since then, because I know that when we were you know initially scheduling this, there are other projects and things that you had kind of working on. And maybe talk a little bit about what's happened since, since your experience graduating from SIUC. I moved back to Los Angeles after I finished my MFA. And then due to some of the health condition of my partner, I had to like go back to Macau to stay with him. So um, since then, I've been painting small due to I don't have a studio wall mm-hmm. and you know a space for me to work on anymore. And I enjoy working on paper a lot because I could take them and transfer with me. And I currently try to explore the pattern and figures relationship. And I try to like focus on larger space and smaller maybe figure or still try to like keep working with combining observation and working with imagination and i currently working on some mural mm-hmm. helping my friend because he is a muralist i was really lucky that i got a chance to work with a the other production team at a mall the theme is about the artificial sky so i've been doing study of clouds and really observing the composition on the sky and sometimes I have to learn about house paint because I'm not quite familiar with the medium and it might dry differently. And um, that job really requires require me to work from 12 in the morning to like 7 a.m. in the morning. So wow. that's, why, <laughs> yeah, that's why I have to keep pushing back our interview. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I've been reading a lot as well. It just got me, you know, slow down and freshen up my mind. I still want to try to paint a lot more since I graduated because I usually work every day when I was in my undergrad and grad school. But now with job and teaching, it's a little bit harder. But I try to engage with, you know, painting outside a little bit. Um, since I have the sky project going on, it just got me interested in painting landscape again. I've been teaching part-time at a studio after I 
got my MFA and I work with the high school students. They are all beginner, but I like working with beginner a lot because they always could do a lot more than they thought. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I, I know, again, it's something that we described earlier is kind of, you know, that challenge of how do you, you know, adapt after you lose all that space. So it sounds like you're, you know, staying right. busy and productive. And mm-hmm. are there opportunities for you to, to exhibit or are you doing things like that right now? Or With pandemic, it's a lot harder to get into shows, but I got into a juror show in Macau. It is called the Collective Exhibition of Macau Visual Art 2020. And he was here. That's the painting, right? The painting's name got the Outstanding Art Award for the show. So I'm super excited for that. I think that would happen next month. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. I know that it's been especially challenging for so many artists to kind of, you know, maintain that exhibition side of it and you know, right. everything's just closing down or moving or, you know, thankfully things, it seems like are slowly kind of, you know, crawling back, but it sounds like you're yes. super busy. And so, so remind everybody, you know, where, where can everybody see your work and, and stay up to date with, you know, what you, what you're doing and working on? Feel free to check on my social media is one C slash art or go to my website com. Again, I, I just really appreciate, you know, having this time to kind of talk to you all about your paintings. I mean, there's so many gorgeous paintings. I, I said to you probably a number of times, I could probably ask you questions about every single one of them, but <laughs> I appreciate that. It's been so, so great to talk to you about yeah. everything. So I'm so grateful to talk to you and I'm so grateful that you're interested in some of the piece. And I think you got most of them right. <laughs> um, you know, how you feel about them. So it's so amazing. Well, you must be doing something right then, right? <laughs> so Yeah, I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much for, for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks once again to Wanzi for joining me. Be sure to check out her website, wanziyong.com, and follow her on Instagram at wanzi underscore art. Wanzi's painting, He Was Here, got an outstanding award as part of the collective exhibition of Macau Visual Arts in 2020. That exhibition opens in May, so congratulations on that. I'm excited to announce that our 2020 student competition is now open. Our juror this year is Kendra Balgren from James May Gallery, so we're very excited to have her on board. Kendra will be selecting five undergraduate and five graduate artists and once again that'll be open to any currently enrolled and recently graduated in 2020 artists so once again if you are interested in applying visit studiobreak.com check out our student competition page for more details it is super simple to apply though all you have to do is submit a small fee send an email identifying who you are what category you're applying for and of course linking a website or your instagram account and that's it you are done So get those apps in today if you want to apply. And, of course, if you know anybody that should be applying, a student, a peer, please share this opportunity. Reminder, if you now love Studio Break, head on over there and check out some of the archived episodes. Each of our artists have their interview there, of course, but you can also find links to their websites. You can listen right in the default player or subscribe to the podcast so you've always got a studio companion and something to listen to while you're working away. So definitely do that. We love hearing from listeners as well, so be sure to say hi on social media. You can do that by liking our Facebook page, saying hello there. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and, of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore break 
music today from myself, Ben Cohan, and Brett Beery. We are a group that is now, I guess, officially Golden Shadow, so no more a remedial indie band. We talk a bit about that recently in an interview as Ben and myself started making music during the pandemic. You can check out Ben's paintings by checking out him on Instagram at mbencohanstudio. You can check out Brett's solo albums by visiting his Instagram. That's Brett Beery on Instagram. You can see paintings by myself by checking out my website, davidlinaway.com, and also following me. You can find me on Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter at David Linaway. So be sure to say hello. And, and there we go. We wrapped another episode of Studio Break. Hope that you enjoyed listening as much as I did today. Hope that your studios are super productive, that you are staying positive and safe out there. We'll talk to you real soon.